0: from the capital city of Charleston, West Virginia. This is Inside West Virginia Politics with Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the mountain State. Joining us now for reaction
1: to the governor's remarks and his plan is Delegate Mike Pushkin, Democrat of Kanawha County. Great to have you on the program again. It's great to be back. We're on. properly socially yeah. distanced here. <laughs> um, anyway, you, you, let's talk about the governor's plan. We've had this 1.25 billion dollars in the yeah. bank for well over two months now. He's yeah. been highly criticized for sitting on the money and not spending it. Now he's going to spend it. But you talk talk about the delay.
2: Well, uh, you know, first of all, our, you know, the U.S. Congress, which I don't think anybody could call the most, you know, the, the fastest moving body in the land they came together in bipartisan fashion which is so rare these days but they came together because it was an important it, it was important and it's an emergency and and they pushed this money out to each of the states so yeah we got it over two months ago so while i'm glad the governor has finally decided to get this money out uh, you know, there's been a lot of people hurting in this state for, for far too long that could have benefited from this money uh, beforehand. There's a, you know Our economy could have taken a, a great shot in the arm on this over two months ago. So while I'm glad he finally got the money out, I do disagree with some of the decisions he's making. And that's why I think it's important that the legislature also uh, takes part in that decision making. In fact, we have the Constitutional Authority. Uh, to make that decision, Um, and the reason being is so the people have more say-so in how their money is spent.
1: All right. Well, Cub, we'll circle back to that issue. I want to talk about some of the specific things, because I know you and and many other Democrats and even some Republicans really wanted small business grants. They're not loans. Uh, The governor is proposing $10,000 to go out to 15,000 small businesses in the state that totals $150 million.
2: Uh, Do you support that? I do, but I think that we could do better. I don't know if that's going to be enough. I mean, there are small businesses, I know, in the district that I represent that may not be able to reopen. They haven't reopened yet. Uh, You know, this is the lifeblood of our economy. The, The biggest employer in the state is our small businesses. So I think that we should really prioritize how that money is going out and and make sure it gets to the places where it's needed most, and that's small businesses.
1: The governor, you know, in his defense, when he proposed spending the money on local governments, city and county governments, he said they had to send in their application with documentation of their expenses so we can justify the check we write. He yes. didn't want to just write blank checks. Yeah. Um, I think about half there are about 220 municipalities in this state, 55 counties, and uh, the rest are cities and towns. Only about half of them have applied now. I mean, isn't it really uh, incumbent upon them to get their applications? Yeah, and in- I would
2: really encourage uh, all those municipalities and, and county governments to do so, uh, because they also have to make their budgets real soon. And uh, you know, there's a lot of, 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 of workers that work for these counties and cities that, that are going to be relying on that. And what we don't want to see is our, our towns and our counties laying people off. You mentioned something
1: a minute ago. I want to come back to: Should the governor call a special session? I, I, I'm hearing the speaker of the house is in favor of this because the the legislature has some budgetary authority. Well,
2: yeah, I think that anybody who's familiar with the West Virginia Constitution would say it's clearly stated in our Constitution that the legislature has the power of the purse. Now, the reason for that, Mark, is because we are the closest body to the people, and the people deserve a say-so in, in how their money is spent the governor doesn't make the doesn't get to make that unilateral decision he's a governor he's not a king now he's quoting a uh, an opinion that the governor's office sought through a private law firm I've, I've not heard of that I think usually the attorney general uh, make gets these opinions for the executive uh, but they hired a private law firm to give them the opinion that they wanted uh, of course the, the people paid for that opinion also
1: hundred million dollars to be spent on roads uh, Senator Manson was on Fox News Channel this week saying he's never met a pothole that had COVID-19. Yeah, look, I'm,
2: I'm all for fixing roads, but I don't believe that COVID relief money was intended to help for roads. It was intended to help the struggling people of West Virginia, and unfortunately there's a whole lot of them. Right now.
1: Are there things you like? There's about 100 million allocated for rural health care to help some of the hospitals and small towns that have been closing and health care for folks in those communities.
2: Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that I like. I think that we should all get together and talk about it, though, so to make sure that that money goes where it's intended, and that's intended to help people. It's intended to help small businesses and also just people who live below the poverty level that we have far too many of in West Virginia who could benefit from the help from that money.
1: And that's a good tease to our next segment. We want to thank Delegate Mike Pushkin, uh, the Democrat of Kanawha County, for joining us. Up next, uh, the Reverend uh, Matthew Watts from the Charleston Bible Church over on the west side. He'll be on to talk about how he wants the money spent for COVID-19, especially for people in poverty. We'll have that coming up after this break.
0: Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the mountain state. Welcome back to Inside West Virginia Politics this weekend.
1: We're going to talk more about what's going on with COVID-19 and health care in the state of West Virginia and where that CARES Act money is going. Joining us now is the Reverend Matthew Watts from Grace Bible Church here in Charleston, a very well-known religious leader and civil rights leader here in the state of West Virginia. Glad to have you back on the program. Good to be back. You told me last week that you wanted to see 20% of the CARES Act dollars. And when we talk about the CARES Act, that's at $1.25 billion that Congress and the White House sent us uh, to deal with COVID-19 and related expenses. You wanted 20% dedicated to the 20% of people Living under the pot- poverty level in West Virginia, are you disappointed in, in the way the governor at least has proposed allocating the money? Because he didn't mention those, that group at all, really, in any well, direct sense.
3: I think there's still an opportunity. You know, we were proposing that 20% of the 1.25 billion, 250 million, be targeted to the 220 census tracts across the state that have poverty rates at 20% or higher, and we believe that still could be done, even what the governor has proposed. For example, he proposed 100 million dollars for the COVID-19 highway. Well, he could say that we would like to see the Section 3 federal requirement be applied to a $100 million so that 30% of the jobs that are created would go to low and very low income people. 30% of the contracts would go to uh, Section 3 concerns that hire low and very low income people. There's a way to accomplish what we were proposing. He proposed $150 million to go to small businesses uh, in grants of up to $10,000. He could do the same thing there, he could target it some of those funds to go into those 220 census tracts that have poverty rates 20% or higher and incentivize it by saying to businesses that hire uh, low income people and poor people that they could get uh, additional funds. There's a way to get there and I've been saying that all along. Those guidelines, only four pages long and they had some restrictions, but they had enough leeway for governors to do within reason what they wanted to do. And I think this government has demonstrated that.
1: Well, he also, I believe if my math serves me, a hundred million dollars for rural hospitals and uh, rural healthcare, which obviously is going to help this population, the 20% that live under the poverty level. We have seen uh, a staggering number of rural and small town hospitals close in West Virginia and our neighboring states Mm -hmm. just in the last year.
3: Exactly. And there's another 979 million, I understand, that's directed toward education and the hospitals. I don't know how that breaks down. We certainly need to build the rural uh, hospital and rural health care apparatus. Uh, What we know is, Mark, is that the poorest people in West Virginia around the country, they're the most unhealthy. The poorest people have the lowest educational outcomes and achievement. The poorest people are more likely to have their kids drop out of school, end up in the juvenile justice system and move into the adult criminal justice system. So we know that poverty, it is the underlying condition Basically, they contribute to the major pathology that we have in our state. Yet we have no plan or no strategy to address poverty in a comprehensive way around the state. And that's what I'm suggesting needs to happen.
1: And I think it's it's important to point out this is not a racial issue. There are uh, far more people, white Americans, living in poverty in this state uh, than minorities. So it, this is a, this is a, a really a biracial issue. It's a,
3: You're exactly it's right. There are about 370,000 poor people in West Virginia, according to the latest uh, averages from the census. Uh, 20.3% of our population. Well, well, over 350,000 of them are low income Caucasians, only about 20, 25,000 African Americans. It is an issue of class, not about race. And that's why we think there has to be a statewide plan that crosses those most distressed census tracts.
1: Have you thought about f- requesting a formal meeting with the governor and his staff? Uh, I know Jill Upson's the head of the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs. Uh, is that an inroad in there? I mean, it'd be, be interesting to have a sit down with the governor and ask him these things face to face, wouldn't well, it?
3: Well, we, 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 we sent a detailed letter to him outlined by my president, the Charleston branch, NAACP, Mr. Rick Martin, that outlines this in detail and I'm pretty sure they know uh, my ideas. I think some people from the governor's office are following me on Facebook Live and they know how to contact me. I welcome that opportunity. I don't think that they're uh, eager about meeting and talking with me, but I welcome the opportunity to do it.
1: You know, in CARES Act, is, it's related to COVID-19, but you're talking the broad array of health problems in the state. We're number one in obesity, number one in diabetes, uh, probably high blood pressure, heart and lung disease. It goes well beyond COVID-19. We've down to 30 seconds, yeah, so absolutely. just quick on what,
3: what COVID-19 did? COVID-19, it further exposed and magnified the health, public health, and mental health pandemic in West Virginia. And that's why we are considered the most vulnerable state to be ravaged by COVID-19, and that's why we gotta address poverty.
1: All right, real quick, I mentioned your website or your Facebook page where folks can get
3: some more Facebook information. Facebook page is Matthew J. Watts.
1: All right, Reverend Matthew J. Watts, good to see you again and we'll Thank have you yourself. back real soon. Thanks, Mark. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break, stay with us.
0: Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And welcome back
1: this weekend to Inside West Virginia Politics. We have a new member of the West Virginia House of Delegates, and she's here introducing Heather Tully Republican of Nicholas County congratulations you were just sworn in what last Thursday
4: I was thank you very much for having me I appreciate it we're well, excited
1: yeah it's it's an exciting time it's a busy time of course the legislature is not in session right now but that that could change we could see a special session coming up with the budget issues and everything going on but first of all introduce yourself tell us a little bit about your background
4: Well my name is Heather Tully I grew up in St. Albans West Virginia I'm a graduate of St. Albans High School in 1998. I am a graduate of the University of Charleston. Was an icu nurse uh, at a large academic medical center here in in the area for about 13 years before going back for my master's have a master's in nursing um, and i am a family nurse practitioner dual board certified
1: that's a lot so (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations i mean you went to wvu to get your your nurse practitioner's degree or your master's degree right.
4: right that's correct
1: So let's talk about, you know, it's interesting because Jordan Hill uh, resigned. He had that seat that you're occupying. Now he was chair of the health committee in the House of Delegates, a very critical committee. I assume healthcare is going to be one of your big issues and where are you going to focus
4: on? It is going to be one of my big issues. And I think when you talk about healthcare, there are a lot of broad things. I'm sure the pandemic will bring up a lot, forth a lot of legislation and changes that need to be made Um, as far as budgeting, looking at, Beefing up, uh, thr- excuse me. Beefing up the preparedness. Um, also, we still have a lot of work to do on the opioid epidemic. There's a lot of things in healthcare. It's always dynamic, always changing. Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because, you know, there's the talk of a potential second wave of the pandemic. We've seen a spike in the last week or so in 30-plus states, including West Virginia, while our numbers are comparatively very low, uh, you know, compared to Florida or Texas. But what would you do differently or what would you do to bring your expertise to the table? What would you say to the governor if he asked for your opinion on something?
4: It would depend on what he asked for. my opinion on but you know I would do actually I always do a lot of reading before I've kind of formulated an opinion on a lot of things I'll do review a lot of research Um, and I just think just a broad general knowledge I have actually taken care of patients that are on ventilators so I understand what it's like to take care of a patient that goes into ARDS I understand how sick they are Um, I understand the critical need for uh, protective equipment for the healthcare workers at the bedside. And that was a huge issue early on in this pandemic. And I think that would be probably one of the biggest things that needs to change. We really need to look at making sure our stockpiles are ready to go for the next time. If there is a second wave, making sure that we have all that personal protective equipment, the PPE that those providers need.
1: Yeah, a lot of lessons learned in this. You mentioned the opioid crisis. I want to touch on that, too, because that continues to be a big problem in the state. And, and in fact, in some instances, it has spiked because people are unable to go to NA meetings or AA meetings, and there's concern about you know, an overdose increase. What would you do differently in the opioid crisis, or what do we need to be doing that maybe we're not doing enough of?
4: You know, there may be need to be some more outreach clinics, types of things, mobile clinics, uh, meeting people where they are. That's very difficult during the pandemic. And maintaining some social distancing, uh, maybe also some more telehealth options for treatment, and of course we are working through telehealth. But telehealth, you know, is has kindly the pandemic really brought forth a lot of lot more telehealth opportunities for providers to provide care. So really expanding up on those and figuring out how we can best harness technology. Broadband is a huge issue here as well, especially for healthcare providers. Um, we need some broadband services in some of the more rural areas so that they can access those technologies to maybe take care, to better take care of those patients and also to help provide other types of jobs and infrastructure and bringing uh, businesses to the area.
1: Also, this is having a tremendous impact on the state economy. Uh, we're down to a minute, but uh, you know we might be facing a huge budget deficit in the next, well, July 1st begins the new fiscal year, so we're, we're there. Uh, any thoughts on how to, how to deal with that?
4: We're going to have to examine, you know, the the allocation of money, where where funds are coming from, uh, the, really carefully uh, looking at all the CARES money that will be flowing into the state, and to see how that is going to be allocated, and just you know the distribution. Where's the where where are the needs? What is the greatest need? How do we best meet those needs?
1: We should point out your candidate for office. You were already running in this and you got appointed to the seat, so you'll be on the ballot in November. You have a democratic uh, opponent, so this this is a race that's in play, right?
4: That is correct, and I'm very excited. I was very excited in the primary. I was unopposed, however, my numbers in the primary, I was very pleased with. I actually primaried out better than any other uh, Republican candidate that had ran, I think, in the last three um, elections.
1: Real quick, give your website so folks can find out more about you.
4: It's Heather tu- Heather Glasgow Tully on Facebook.
1: All right, Heather Tully, Republican of Nicholas County, newest member of the House of Delegates. Congratulations again. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk more as uh, the year goes on, okay?
4: Thank you, Mark. Have a good day. I appreciate you having me. You're
1: very welcome. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break. Stay with us.
0: Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State.
1: And welcome back to our final segment this Sunday on Inside West Virginia Politics. We've had all the bad news about COVID-19 the past few months uh, here in the Mountain State, but there is some really good news to tell about that story. I want to introduce right now Caitlin Cook. She's with the Mountaineer Food Bank of West Virginia, great to have you on the program.
5: Thanks for having me, Mark.
1: Not a night goes by that we don't, in our statewide show, uh, West Virginia tonight, we don't have a story on about the Mountaineer Food Bank. It seems every night there's, you guys are in another place in the state mm-hmm. feeding more people. What is it you guys do? Tell us what Mountaineer Food Bank is.
5: So our mission is to make sure that we are engaging the state in ending the uh, fight against hunger, as well as working with our network members to make sure that people have access to food.
1: Obviously, you didn't come along just because of COVID-19. You right. guys have been around for, for a long time, I believe, operating in 48 of the 55 counties.
5: Yes, that's right. We are a nonprofit, 501c3. We operate out of Gasaway. We've got two distribution warehouse sites there. And recently, we've got a new site, thanks to the West Virginia National Guard in Rock Branch near Poca.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about that, too, uh, because when COVID-19 came along, you guys have done a lot more stuff trying to feed the elderly, Mm -hmm. trying to feed uh, young school kids, especially, I would imagine, with them being out of school, that's uh, essentially important. Talk about that mission and the fact that the National Guard has worked with you guys uh, so closely.
5: Certainly. So in the first two weeks of COVID-19, we saw a 40 percent increase in need for assistance. Uh, We immediately responded by building and distributing emergency food boxes to our partners, as well as through our mobile food pantry program. And that goes across the state. And as you mentioned, we operate in 48 of the state's 55 counties. Um, In an effort to put safety first, we made sure that these boxes were pre-packaged at our facilities before they went out into the community. These boxes contained a variety of items that were shelf stable, as well as produce and protein.
1: There are some other really neat food-related things happening. Uh, we, the state created these EBT cards uh, for, for people, who I guess, who are on SNAP benefits, and it's like, what, $300 per kid for the, for the summer or for each month? I mean, how does that work?
5: So the USDA had issued a, a ton of waivers that have enabled us to do more. Um, And you mentioned, you know, SNAP. So one of those waivers that the state has benefited tremendously from has been an increased allotment in SNAP funds because food banks can't do it alone. And as we mentioned, we saw a 40% increase. So having people have access to more on their SNAP card enabled them to do a little bit more in their own local economies getting out to the grocery store. Additionally, when you talk about SNAP, another waiver, it enabled folks to purchase uh, groceries online. So when you talk about social distancing and safety amid the pandemic, it was paramount that folks on SNAP also had the opportunity to go to Kroger, to go to Walmart, wherever, order their groceries and pick them up. Uh, You mentioned the pandemic EBT card. This was one of the waivers that states could opt into. Some of these waivers were national, some of them you had the choice of doing. Our Department of Education, along with DHHR, other folks at the administrative state level have done a tremendous job going out um, and getting these waivers to help West Virginians. The pandemic EBT card had just about over $300 and it was mailed to students. Uh, the Department of Education worked closely with each of these counties to make sure the students receive this card at their homes. Um, this program is trying to bridge that gap to make sure students have what they need while summer is going on. And this is at a time when we have had so many of these summer activity programs Summer feeding programs altered or unfortunately canceled for the safety of our students and people.
1: We're down to about a minute. I want to help people find a way to help you guys. You rely on donations. If somebody wants to donate to Mountaineer Food Bank, first of all, what's your website and how can they donate?
5: So mountaineerfoodbank.org, there's a donate tab there. Um, You can call and volunteer. You can donate money or food, or you could help us out by joining us for a day of golf. We've got our first ever tea to table golf tournament coming up, and that's going to be at Stonewall Resort. That's on July 24th through the 25th. You have until July 9th to register for a team or a sponsorship. We'd love to see y'all there.
1: Well, Caitlin Cook is with us, uh, closing out the show today from the Mountaineer Food Bank. You guys do wonderful work around the state. We appreciate it. And remember, mountaineerfoodbank.org. Yes. If you'd like to donate or find out how you can help. Thanks for being on the program this week, Caitlin.
5: Thanks for having me, Mark.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inside West Virginia Politics. You can hear more from state, local, and federal lawmakers each and every Sunday morning on WOWK-TV in Charleston, WBOY-TV in Clarksburg, WDVM in the Eastern Panhandle, WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify,
0: or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Inside West Virginia Politics is a Next Star Media Group production, hosted and managed by Mark Curtis. Produced and edited by Chelsea Morrison, Michael Coleman, Rick Johnson, Kimberly Blackburn, and Cody Cummings. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.